0: Welcome to the Treated Unfairly podcast by Ellie Sandarsic, Braylon Beers,
1: Ryan Zucker, and Andrew Perelsic.
0: In this podcast, we'll talk about people being denied opportunities over factors they can't control because of things like race, gender, and ethnicity. We'll see how denial impacts all of us and how it's a lot closer to all of us than we really think. We each interviewed somebody who was close to us, like family or friends. Hi, this is Ellie. I interviewed my mom about being a woman doctor and how this has impacted her in the workplace.
2: Hi, this is Braylon. I interviewed my dad on his experience with redlining. In his particular experience, he was denied acceptance into the FBI because he was not a minority. And at the time, they were only accepting minorities.
1: This is Ryan Zucker, and I interviewed my brother Danny. In his experience, he was denied access to a diversity club at Ohio State University because of his race and not being a minority.
3: Hi, this is Andrew, and my story is about my grandparents who are uh, deceased, so I interviewed my dad about the struggles that they had being immigrants from the country of Slovenia, coming over with a child who didn't know the language as as well as them, not knowing the language and the struggles they faced in this process.
0: This is Ellie. I interviewed my mom, Robin Zandarczyk, who currently works as an outpatient family medicine doctor for the Lake Health Hospital System, and she works at the Metter Wellness Building and is the medical director there. Uh, She's been in practice for 23 years now, and in order to get where she is today, she had to do four years of undergraduate, four years of medical school, and three years of residency. Uh, She was also the chief resident when she was in residency, too so the first thing i tried to talk to her about was what the schooling was like at the time and she said that there was mostly an equal number of men and women and there's no specific situations where she was denied anything because of her gender so after hearing that i wanted to hear more about her current workplace and asked if she had felt any like discrimination because of her gender and she actually said that she's been given a lot of opportunities through the lake health hospital system including a lot of different leadership roles And she has been given equal opportunities compared to her male counterparts. So after hearing how the schooling and the uh, hospital system worked, I asked her how she felt the community perceives like female physicians. And she said that she feels that all of her patients accept her knowledge and respect what she's worked for and trust what she says. But she also thinks that some patients are more comfortable calling her by her first name and there are situations where people will come in seeing her as their doctor and they'll refer to her as Mrs. And it's usually family friends, but it's just funny because they're coming to see her as their doctor. Sometimes if she takes on other doctor's patients too, they'll just assume like she's the nurse that's seeing them. Um, and I asked too like, if there was a, different beca- a difference over the shutdown because they were doing a lot more telemedicine visits. And she said some people over the phone would assume that she was like a nurse after hearing her voice and it was mostly with new patients but it's still just a little upsetting that people would just assume that and then uh specifically right now she's working on a clinical study for the monoclonal antibody outpatient treatment which helps older patients if they contract the coronavirus Uh, she'll be on the phone with the patients and she'll explain the entire process to them and then they'll ask oh so when's the doctor going to call me and she's like well i am the doctor and um so it, it, it's mostly with newer people or people over the phone. But again, it is just upsetting that that's what they would assume. And then I also wanted to hear if like this has impacted her outside of work at all. And one thing that she talked about was how her and my dad used to do sports physicals for St. Gabe's for the kids who needed uh, the physicals and played sports. They would offer them. And my dad's also a doctor, too. And they would go to the school and do physicals. And then St. Gabe's would send us letters in the mail and they'd be addressed to doctor and missus instead of doctor and doctor. And again, my mom's not really a big title person. She doesn't really get offended if people don't call her doctor, but it's just frustrating when someone else is recognized and they both work for the same thing. And it's, it's like she's working for the school doing things for being a doctor and then they don't address her at the same as they address my dad. But Overall I asked her how being a woman impacted her and she said that she has a very good connection with all of her patients because she thinks that sometimes women are perceived as more compassionate or empathetic. And she also thinks that being a mother and a woman can also help give advice to other women who need help. And she loves seeing all the different ages and getting to know different families. And she loves the bond that she has built with all of her patients. So I just think it's important that everyone understands to that even if she hasn't had any specific instances where she's been discriminated against, there's little things that are noticed. And it might not even be that big of a deal, but there's some things that uh, just women have differently than men. And I think that it's important that we start to recognize every woman and man the same for what they've worked for if they've worked for the same thing. Now we're going to go over to Braylon, who's going to tell us about how her dad was denied being into the FBI because of his race.
2: Hi, this is Braylon, and I'm going to be talking about my interview with my dad, Wilson Beers, on his particular experience with bedlining. Many people have had some experience with redlining throughout their life. As Ellie explained, with her mom's experience, it had to do with her being a doctor as a woman. Whether it be because of gender, race, religion, etc., you would be surprised how many people have been treated unfairly due to something they cannot control. Many years ago, before I was born, my dad wanted to become a member of the FBI. In his experience, he was redlined because of his race. My dad decided that he wanted to be in the FBI and he worked hard and spent a lot of time studying to be an agent so that one day he would be able to do so. When he was 22, he finally decided after all of the work that he had put into it, he was going to apply to be a federal agent in Quantico, Virginia. All of his work had finally paid off and he passed all the tests and was ready to be an agent. This was all up until they decided they were going to go on a hiring freeze and hire strictly minorities. He was not the only one who wasn't hired because of the same reason. He explained there are about seven others in the north Northeast Ohio region who were also denied for not being a minority. When asked why he couldn't wait until he was able to be hired again, he replied, Neither of my parents or I had enough money for me to wait at the time. Being denied the opportunity to do something, especially if it is something that you have put a lot of time and hard work into, is never fun. Many people have been denied something they wanted in their life, whether big or small, and depending on what it is, it can have a big effect on someone. I asked my dad how he felt after this particular experience, and in his words, he replied with, I was mad and upset, and I felt robbed. It was a huge letdown because I worked hard for the position, and I was not getting the job just because I was not a minority. Although at the time he was upset and mad that he had not had the job, he claims that he would not go back in time and change the circumstances if he could because he believes that where he is today is where he's meant to be and he gave up on trying to change the path that he was meant to be on. He believes that he grew from his experience because he realized that those people may have needed the job more than he did, and he was still proud of what he had accomplished, although he hadn't got the job. After his experience with redlining, he continued to work hard. When asked what he did after his denial at the FBI, He explained by saying, I looked into insurance sales, but I ended up realizing it wasn't for me. So I left and tried to find a job and ended up in medical sales for 15 years. After all of this trouble, he claims to believe in the end that everything worked out the way it was meant to. My dad's story is just one of the many that people have to share about their own particular experience of redlining, whether it be at work, school, etc. There are multiple instances in which people have been redlined. Not all are the same, and some are more severe than others. There are many reasons that people can be redlined as well. Like I said before, it could be because of race, religion, gender, and so many other factors. Next, Ryan is going to talk about his brother's particular experience with redlining.
1: My story is about my brother, Danny. Danny at this time was a rising freshman at Ohio State University and was 18 years old. Coming into the school year, he wanted to join the University Club. He wanted to join this club in order to learn more about other races and ethnicities and to become a more well-rounded person. But this opportunity ended up getting stripped away from him just because of the color of his skin. Not only did this club give him the opportunity to meet new people and learn more about other races, but it also came with a full tuition. Even prior to applying for this club, Danny did not have a great feeling about it because he has done some research on the club and learned many things were not in his favor. During the research, he found they only accept primary minorities with very few exceptions. He knew he had a very little chance but continued to persevere in hopes he could maybe get a spot. When he finally got the decision back, they said he could not be a part of the club. Danny said, I was very upset that the university discriminated against me just because of my race and gender. He did not understand how it was fair for him to not be given a fair shot at the club. He was so disappointed that this opportunity was taken away from him just because of the way he looks. Danny knew there wasn't a great chance because the university shows tendency of the past to favor those who were not white males, but he still wanted to try because he knew he had a lot to gain and bring to this club. Most of his life he was not around minorities and did not really know how they lived. So he really wanted to learn more and becoming more well-rounded in this area. With acceptance into this club, he would have been able to learn so much more about minorities and their struggles, while also sharing some of his own experiences. This redlining experience changed him in so many ways because it made him infuriated at the university as well as confused, because they truly valued the principle of diversity, they would have not excluded him from the group. Danny knew nothing he did would have changed the outcome. He did everything he could, but was still denied. He tried everything, but it was just the institution's fault for leaving him out of the group. He was thinking of applying again to see if the results would change, but then he came to the conclusion that it would be a waste of both his time and theirs, because the university continues to deny entry to people who look very similar to him, but instead they provide full rides to individuals who are less deserving of these spots. This story of Danny truly exemplified the theme of this podcast, which is being treated unfairly due to uncontrollable factors. He was given less of a shot and denied opportunities just because of the way he looked. Many of the, many people would think that you need to be poor or of a minority group to be treated unfairly, but even people like Danny were redlined and denied opportunities because of factors they cannot control, such as race and gender. Danny could not control how others view him or his past experiences. Therefore, he is content with living as himself and will make sure this experience would not change him and he will stay confident and true to himself. In the next story, Andrew will talk about the experience of his grandparents immigrating to the United States.
3: My story is about my grandparents in their incredible journey to America as immigrants in the 1950s. So my story starts off in Slovenia where my grandparents were happily married but had to flee to Vienna, Austria due to the communist rule of Yugoslavia over Slovenia at the time. My, my grandpa opened up his own kiosk selling uh, kitchenware like sifters and wooden spoons in downtown Vienna, and he was very successful at doing this, and after a few years of living in Vienna, they had a child who was my uncle, who was my dad's older brother, and in January of 1956, when everything was going so well for my grandpa and his business, he was presented with the opportunity to be sponsored by his two siblings who have been living in the United States for a while beforehand, to immigrate to the United States. And as a successful businessman, this was a tough decision because he knew that going to a place where you don't know the language, it could be hard to find a job and that he may not do it as well. But he made the one of the toughest decisions, which was to sacrifice his personal success for the success of his children and future grandchildren. Now remember, both my grandparents did not know any English at the time, yet made the move because they figured it was best for their family. They also had a four-year-old kid who didn't know any English too. So they packed up and went on a boat and found themselves in Cleveland, Ohio. And my grandfather went from a successful businessman to sweeping floors in a warehouse, but he did it for his family. So upon arriving, one of the first things that my my grandparents wanted to do was to get their oldest son, my uncle John, into kindergarten. So they sent him to school and on the first day of him being there, my grandma got a phone call while, while sitting at home and she did not understand any of the language So she had to go next door to get one of her Slovenian neighbors, who also knows some English, to talk on the phone and interpret for her. And this conversation with one of the nuns from my uncle's Catholic school went as follows. They opened up with, your son doesn't know any English. And she said, well, is he disrupting anything or anyone? And they said, no, but he doesn't understand anything. And she said to this, what do you think I sent him there for? I sent him there so he can learn the language and become successful in school. And that was the end of that. And sure enough, my uncle passed kindergarten on his first try and is now very successful along with all three of their children, including my dad. You see, my grandparents wanted a better life for their kids And we're not going to let immigrant status or a language barrier get in the way of that when immigrating to the United States. They gave up a successful life in a land familiar to them for a new life that wasn't as successful in a land completely foreign to them where they knew basically nobody. And for that, I will be forever grateful because I know they did it for my dad, my uncle, my aunt, and me and all my cousins.
2: After hearing each other's stories of family members who have been redlined, we came to the conclusion that many people have a story of redlining, even those you would expect not to have one. Some reasons people have been redlined could be because of gender, race, etc., in Ellie's mom's story, she was redlined because of her gender. In my dad's case, as well as Ryan's brother's case, it was because of their race. More specifically, not being a minority. In Andrew's grandparents' story, it was because of their ethnicity. It is closer to us than we would think, and many people have had some sort of redlining story, story rather big or small. That's the end of the Treated Unfairly podcast.